Greetings, beloved. This is Pastor Joe Sitters, and I am recording another sermon here for our study on Jesus' life on earth. I want to thank everyone who has been listening, and uh, some have, have commented and liked. Um, I, don't, I don't do this too often, but uh, if you listen through Podbean or the iTunes podcast feed, you can always like or follow. That way you get the alerts when these new messages uh, drop. Um, for the most part, they're pretty predictable. We have services at 7 p.m. on Wednesday here in Tulsa and also at 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on Sundays. And we usually record right from the pulpit. And as soon as I'm done and put a title on it, it goes right to those feeds. So you would just get an alert uh, that those messages were there and available. And um, it's a great way to keep up on these studies. Today, I'm recording another one of those messages from the summer that were preached uh, in order of the Lord's ministry, as we're studying that chronologically, but they weren't recorded, unfortunately. And I have about six more of these to go, so if, if you're catching these and, uh, and, and you're looking for them and you're excited to have them, this message uh, will follow the message entitled, Jesus' Life on Earth, Teaching Concerning Trust in God and the Coming Judgment. Uh, I recorded that one earlier this morning, uh, so it should show up right behind that one. Uh, and if you re- if you listen to that one and the one right before it, which was entitled "Jesus' Life on Earth: Arraignment of the Pharisees in One of Their Own Homes," um, there's plenty of explanation in there as to why these didn't get recorded in the summer. So I won't I won't bog you down now. If you are in the Tulsa area and you want to come and join us for services in person, we'd love to have you. We count it a blessing to have you. Uh, we are located at 2750 South 53rd West Avenue. If you would like to mail anything to us at that address, the zip code is 74107. You can also email me at pastorjoegmbc at gmail.com. You certainly don't have to, but if you have any questions or uh, there are there are some folks that would like to have the paper outlines, which I'm more than happy to share. Uh, I can just email you the Word documents of those and, and be super easy. Uh, it's Pastor Joe GMBC, which stands for Grace Missionary Baptist Church, at gmail.com. So without further ado, let's jump right in here. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 13. We look at just the first nine verses with this outline as we look at Jesus' life on earth all must repent or perish. And boy, if you're listening to these as they come out, we're having a little bit of a revival, aren't we? Uh, This is the third one of these recordings today, uh, just to let you in behind the scenes here, uh, hoping to do one more before I lose my voice or run out of light. Uh, Since the cold snap here in Tulsa, the ballast went out in my office, so I'm working with about half as much light as I'm used to. Uh, so we'll see how much longer that will last. But let's let's go ahead and begin here. Luke thirteen chapter, uh, Luke chapter thirteen verses one through nine. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent. Ye shall all likewise perish. See how he's turning this around. They brought news to him, much like we see elsewhere, where they they cut the woman in the uh, in the middle of the act of adultery, and they they bring him in and or bring her in and drop him off right there in front of the Lord while he's teaching. Uh, here we see accusations brought to Jesus, and instead of uh, going after 
Those that have been accused, he turns it about and says, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown point out that this would have been a spot selected for its fertility, separated from the surrounding fields, and cultivated with special care, with a view solely to fruit. We might think we know that that's what a vineyard is, but it's important for us to understand he's talking about the church. This is what he's referencing here. And if we think about that description, a spot selected for its fertility, separated from the surrounding fields, and cultivated with special care, with a view solely to fruit, that's exactly why the Lord called out those who are uh, of the ecclesia, a select called out bunch, according to his own will and according to the Father's plan for him to execute. And it goes on in the parable, and, and he, this man who uh, had the fig tree planted, he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Mention was made to Christ of the death of some Galileans. And this tragic story is briefly related here and is not met with anything uh, as far as the historians could dictate as far as of where this came from and, and what the event was precisely. In Christ's reply, he spoke of another event, which, like it, gave an instance of people taken away by sudden death at the Tower of Siloam. And the tower, this would have been likely a tower on the wall of Jerusalem. Matthew Henry writes that towers that are built for safety often prove to be men's destruction. He cautioned his hearers not to blame great sufferers as if they were uh, as if they were therefore to be accounted great sinners, as no place or employment can secure from the stroke of death. We should consider the sudden removals of others as warnings to ourselves. On these accounts, Christ founded a call to repentance. The same Jesus that bids us repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, bids us repent. For otherwise we shall perish. And really, beloved, if you think about it in these terms, this is what a what a tombstone in a cemetery should be. Uh, I know in our day and age, and, and for quite a few years now, it has been a, a memorial of sorts to the departed, but it really should be a warning, a cautionary tale that all these things shall end, that there is an extent to life, at least in the form and, and, and the present form that we're familiar with. Within those that were present were scattered an assorted few who would continually test Jesus. Perhaps that's why they brought him the news of the Galileans. According to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, these Galileans were possibly the followers of Judas of Galilee, who some 20 years before this taught that Jews should not pay tribute to the Romans, and of whom we learn from Gamaliel in Acts 5.37 that he drew after him a multitude of followers, who on this being slain were all dispersed. Trapp believed that uh, even Acts 21, or John Trapp, let me, John Trapp believed that even Acts 21.38 could be accredited to this Judas Galanites that is the one who's being referred to as the Judas of Galilee. 
And this is what that verse says. Art not thou that Egyptian, which before these days made us an uproar and led us out into the wilderness for thousand men that were murderers? At this time in history, approximately A.D. 27, that party would be at its height. And if Pilate caused this detachment of them to be waylaid and put to death as they were offering their sacrifices at one of the festivals, that would be the blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices that we read about in the text. But they were slain while offering is is how they get that, that phrase mingled with their sacrifices. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, was not known for his gentleness. And, and to give you... I'd like to interrupt here. Uh, since you are listening to this feed to hear this message at all, if you go back to the earlier parts of this study, this Jesus Life on Earth study, listen to the introduction. Uh, not that there's any part of this that isn't crucial because it's covering Scripture, but that particular one in the introduction, uh, we spent a little bit of time talking about the interbiblical times because there's a lot of things in the New Testament that do not appear in the Old Testament that we really had to kind of explain where they came from. We briefly discuss the Maccabees and, and events uh, and, and epics that come through that time, and um, it, it might be a really worthy listen. And it might be a worthy listen for you to dive into because we also talk about these Herods, uh, these Tetrarchs, uh, Pilate, kind of give you an overview of the power distribution uh, of Jesus' day. So Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, was not known for his gentleness. He did not get along well with the Jews and did not hesitate to kill people who got in his way. This incident may have occurred when the Jews protested Pilate's taking money from their temple. The governor had in the temple crowd armed soldiers disguised as civilians, what we would consider spies, and they killed some unarmed Jews, those present at the season, as we see in the text, who brought this to the Lord, appeared to be asking, where was God when this happened? Why did God allow his faithful people to be killed without warning. Then Jesus turns the subject from the Galileans to the men of Jerusalem, which we've seen him do quite a few times. Uh, The Judeans, this is where the Tower of Siloam was located. The intention of bringing up the Galileans seemed to be that they perished for being exceedingly wicked. The Lord was illustrating for them that all would perish without repentance. It wasn't good clean living that would lead to them being spared. It was the mercy of God shown toward his repentant elect. According to Jesus, the real question is not why did others die, but why am I still alive? In verse 3 and verse 5, Jesus made his answer very personal. And in the parable, he personalized it even more. The picture of the barren fig tree spared for years when it should have been bearing fruit pictures God's long-suffering and mercy. But it also teaches that God's mercy is here for a season. In eternity, beyond the plane of physical life, as we presently know it, We will either know eternal joy with our King of Kings or the eternal wrath of God, our Creator. Beyond this realm lies eternity. It is here in time that we must repent, for our deeds are evil. It is here that we worship in faith that he who holds tomorrow is worthy of being praised and glorified. This word vineyard is also in Matthew 21, verses 33 through 41, alluding to the church. We read there, here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen 
that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one, killed another, stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said unto themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Let us seize on his inheritance. And they they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard came, uh, cometh, as the text says, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men, and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. This is reference also to Isaiah chapter 5 as well, but we'll deal with that when we get to the time in which the Lord presents this parable in his earthly ministry. The Jewish nation was like that fruitless fig tree. It had the outward appearance of life, but it bore no fruit. John the Baptist had laid his axe to the root of the tree. In Luke chapter 3, verses 2 through 9, where we read, The word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough way shall be made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto uh, the root of the trees. That part completed by the prophet, what comes next in the text comes after that season. And he says there in the text, Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not fruit, good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. Jesus had ministered to the nation for three years, approximately from A.D. 27 uh, to nearly A.D. 30. And there was still no fruit. God could have judged the nation immediately, but he gave them more time. In just 40 years or so, A.D. 70, he allowed the Roman legions to destroy Jerusalem and the temple. Just a glimpse of what will take place after the Lord's ministry is concluded, of course. Note that the end of our text states, Thou shalt cut it down. This is a, a promise. This isn't something that could happen. Listen to what we read in Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 24. Because I have called and ye refused, ye have stretched out, or I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. Ezekiel chapter 24 verse 13 says, In thy filthiness is lewdness, because I have purged thee. 
and thou wast not purged, thou shalt not be purged from thy filthiness any more until I have caused my fury to rest upon thee. It is said that the fig tree, if it bear not fruit by its fourth year, it never will. An ending is coming to the church age, beloved, possibly soon. Many theorize the date, and, and I've, I've heard and read of many that theorize it'll be this spring, but uh, Scripture says no man will know, and, and I don't intend to, to try to be the man who stares the Scripture in the face and says it's wrong, so I won't. But it sure seems looming. Just in the past week, uh, as of this recording, we've seen blizzard-like conditions from one side of the country to the other, including Texas, uh, cold temperatures just north of Florida, earthquakes throughout Oklahoma where we are, and volcanic activity in Iceland. Now, certainly all these things have happened throughout the ages, um, but we're hot on the heels of a hurricane season in which we saw one hit the coast of California, which hasn't happened in years. Beloved, the birth pangs of this creation Tell us that something's coming. Heed the warning. John Trapp wrote, Trees that are not for fruit are for the fire. God will lay down his basket and take up his axe. But there's also an individual application. God expects us to bear fruit for his glory. Instead of asking, Why did others die as those in our text have done? We should ask, Is it worth it to God for me to be alive? Am I fulfilling that which I was apprehended for? We are commanded to be fruitful, and judgment is the only answer to fruitlessness. May God see fit to help us in our hour of need. May he strengthen us as we go forward to give the gospel, to be found faithful, to see to the fatherless, to see to the widows, to strengthen weak hands, feeble knees. As we tend to the highway of holiness, as we labor to find in the scriptures that which needs to be revealed and repented of in our own hearts and minds, may the Lord see fit to bless us with his presence, with his mercy, with his comfort. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.